learning as I get older that the Lord has wired me certain ways. Uh, and for a lot of years, uh, I thought that was a flaw, uh, and maybe it is, but I felt like it was a weakness or some vulnerability because uh, I wasn't, for me, multitasker. Um, I seem to flourish more when I have a singular focus. And so uh, I've learned in my older age here to kind of go with that. And the Lord wired me that way, so he did that for a purpose. And so I thrive uh, spiritually speaking and even emotionally when I have a single subject to, to dig into. And, I've, and I find great benefit from that. Uh, but I never feel the weight of that until after that study I withdraw and take the, the larger view and see that aspect, particularly in the studies of Scripture and the, the person of Christ, particularly at Christmas. But when I back away from that intense study and see that and how that fits into the whole, the weight of that comes home to me. And so I'm learning in my, uh, in my middle to later years uh, to, to go with how God wired me to drill down and to study and to focus, but to keep in the back of my mind, this is for the purpose of seeing the whole more clearly and thus feeling the weight of that. And that's where my heart is this morning, especially during Christmas because of the nativity and the incarnation where we tend to focus our attention on those, uh, those aspects. But this morning I want to, if I can, lead us away from that from a distance and see how that fits into the whole. And what's been on my heart all week for this Christmas morning that we'll uh, celebrate as we gather together uh, is to just be reminded uh, of the significance or the implication of Christ's birth. In fact, I came at this from the other direction. Uh, originally, what would, have, what would it be if Christ is not come? If there is no incarnation, there is no nativity, what would we be left with? And I didn't want to uh, end uh, our Christmas celebrations on that negative note, so I came at that from the other side. What are the blessings uh, of Christ having come? And that's what I want to share with you uh, this morning. So begin reading with me in Ephesians chapter 1, verse 1. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God, to the saints who are at Ephesus and who are faithful in Christ Jesus, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ. That's my key verse. Uh, I think that's what Paul is unfolding here, but that's the blessing. Verse 4, just as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we would be holy and blameless before him. In love he predestined us to adoption as sons through Jesus Christ to himself, according to the kind intention of his will, <laughs> to the praise of the glory of his grace, which he freely bestowed on us in the beloved. In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses, according to the riches of his grace, which he lavished on us. In all wisdom and insight, he made known to us the mystery of his will according to his kind intention, which he purposed in him with a view to an administration suitable to the fullness of the times. That is, the summing up of all things in Christ, things in the heavens and things on the earth. In him also we have obtained an inheritance, having been predestined according to his purpose, who works all things after the counsel of his will to the end, 
to the end that we who were the first to, to hope in Christ would be to the praise of his glory. In him you also, after listening to the message of truth, the gospel of your salvation, having also believed, you were sealed in him with the Holy Spirit of promise, who is given as a pledge of our inheritance with a view. Uh, I love that phrase, with a view to the redemption of God's own possession. And he closes that verse with to the praise of his glory. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for the opportunity to gather on this occasion, Lord, where we're celebrating the birth of Christ and it happens to land on our um, regularly scheduled day of worship. And so, Father, I pray that you might be at work in our hearts today. The same is true this morning as was true last night. The vessel means nothing. The instrument means nothing. But the word of God spoken through that instrument means everything. And so, Lord, by your <clears throat> spirit and by your grace, will you bring the word to bear upon our hearts this morning that we might sing songs of joy at the incarnation and even the entirety of the life of Christ, not because it is tradition to do so, but, Father, because we feel it in our hearts. Only you can make that so today. So we yield to you, Lord, work in our hearts. We ask in Jesus' name. Amen. So I just want to go through these, and I'll probably go fast because i got at least 15 <laughs> blessings. And, so, and I know you don't want to be here all Sunday afternoon on Christmas Day. And so uh, maybe I'll come back and do these one at a time. But I want to think about this this morning. First of all, in these passages, we are blessed, uh, and I'm taking this from Paul's introduction. We're just blessed by grace. And the reason this is significant for me at the incarnation is because I'm not looking at just the incarnation. I'm, I'm backing away from that 50,000 foot view as it were and I'm seeing the incarnation being the inauguration of the work of Christ by which he completed upon the cross and which he sealed in the resurrection. So I'm looking at the entirety of the work of Christ. And when I look at that from that level, the blessing that is flowing to me and you as believers through, uh, through that is grace. I say this all the time. To me, one of the joys of being a Christian is that I am, I am the recipient of unmerited by me favor from God. I am not deserving of that whatsoever in and of my flesh. In fact, I'm deserving of the exact opposite of that. But yet it is being poured out upon me and you as a believer and even unbelievers to a certain degree. But it is a grace that is merited by the sufferings of Christ. Otherwise, I was thinking about this because when I was thinking about blessings, uh, blessings upon those uh, drawn from the merit of Christ while they themselves being recipients of that mercy are rejecting the very Christ who purchased the merit or whose merit purchased that mercy for them is the height of sin. It is the height of rebellion against God. In fact, for God, for, for them to receive that mercy and not acknowledge the source is a, in and of itself an injustice for which they will bear the load. So as believers today, we ought to rejoice if for no other reason but that we are recipients of an unmerited favor from the God of the universe before whom we stand naked. <laughs> I mean, he knows all of my sins and all of my past sins, but yet there is grace flowing to me. Paul says in that passage, 
to the saints who are at Ephesus and who are faithful in Christ Jesus. Grace to you. Grace to you. I would single out here that he's speaking to those who are saints, and he adds here faithful. So he's speaking to a very, a very specific audience here. It is those who have come to know Christ, and he's speaking regarding their blessings. And one of those blessings that he pronounces and that we can rejoice in today that we are recipients of grace. We are also in that same verse, verse 2, a recipient of that peace. Paul is pronouncing a blessing, not as though it's coming, but really acknowledging it as the blessing in their lives. Grace to them, obviously, but also peace. Peace is not coming at the command of Paul. He's acknowledging that peace is a part of being in Christ being a saint and being faithful. The peace that I enjoy and you enjoy as a believer is is directly derived from God himself. And that's a great blessing. In fact, apart from Christ, I don't think you will ever achieve that. Even in Christ, I still am drawn to try to find that in some other way by eliminating hassles and stresses from my life, by by fixing things around me to where life is comfortable for me, but it's never really a peace within. There's never really a peace that settles in that causes me to endure the difficulties that come in our lives. I said last night when we were getting the water up, It's kind of hard to preach the providence of God and then be angry when it unfolds on you uh, with a wet sanctuary. So while you're mopping, you must thank God for his providence. For whatever reasons in the eternal counsels of the Godhead, it was destined that the water would pour out at Diamond Hill last night. That's what I believe, and I think that's what the Scriptures support. But what I, what I have the capacity for as a believer is to have peace in the midst of that. To not be subject to those circumstances to disturb my peace deep within. Those are blessings that flow from Christ, from the work of Christ. And so those are other blessings. I love verse 3, and as I said, it's really the theme verse, but he says here, every spiritual blessing. Uh, Notice there that he makes a distinction between temporal blessings. They, They are blessings nonetheless, your health, your, your career, your family, all the things that you enjoy, a heated sanctuary today, lights. Uh, we all are feeling the, the blessing of having heat and temperatures as well. I'm not, Paul is not excluding temporal blessings, but they are just that. They are temporal. They are for now. Even our relationships are for now. They will... They will be magnified, I think, in eternity, and, and the intensity of those will be even deeper in eternity in the presence of Christ. But they are all temporal. They are for now, for this life. They are God's blessings, as it were, flowing into our lives to sustain life in this world. But Paul is not concentrating on that as much as he is the foundation for those things, which are the spiritual blessings. And every one of them, he says, comes to you in Christ. He has blessed us, verse 3, blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ. Uh, In my early Christian life, I became intrigued with the number of references Paul used to in Christ, with Christ, through Christ, in Christ, and I began to count those. And I, it's been years, but I think I got up to nearly 150 references with those three phrases. And it, and it 
sent a light bulb off in my mind very early on. And, and in that moment, I understood what communion meant. There's a, there is a, a real union with Christ through which these things are produced in our lives. And I remember thinking to myself, well, why is that so hard to grasp? But I don't have any problem at all knowing that I'm united with Adam. I can relate with Adam very easily every day. I have all the same temptations. I am, I am a partaker of the fall of Adam. I know what the fall feels like. I, I don't have any problems at all thinking my union with Adam is theoretical. It is not. It is real. So why in the scriptures, when it, when it says to me that I am united to Christ and we observe the ordinance that the Lord commanded, which points towards our uniting with Christ, also in baptism, why do we think that's theoretical? That's real. That's real. It's accessed truly by faith, but that's the way we're to walk. Paul says we're to walk by faith and not by sight, according to what's true. So, so it's as true as it is that you are joined to Adam in your fallenness. So he has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing. I don't think Paul's being exhausted here, exhaustive in his labeling of the spiritual blessings, but I think he's definitely being foundational because all the others flow from the things that he is mentioning here. In verse four, we are blessed in his choice or in his choosing of us. Just as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world that we would be holy and blameless before him. So he chose us, two things involved with that. In his choosing us, he does so in Christ, again in union with Christ. And he does so before the foundation of the world. Now I want to pause here because my heart soared even while my mind struggled to, to get a grasp on what that means. I looked this up. Try this sometimes. I looked up the definition of eternity. And you know what the first definition was? Infinite, uh, unending time. And when I read that before, the reason I looked it up is because I was thinking to myself, well, I, I don't even know how you conceive of eternity in the context of time. <laughs> eternity means something other than that. And then the first definition I read says infinite, unending time. Right underneath it, in the same dictionary, the second definition is this. A state to which time has no application. <laughs> Timelessness. Before the foundation of the world, he chose us in him. Not, and this is what caused my heart to soar. God is omniscient. In the Godhead, there was no time at which the plan of salvation came to the mind of God. It has always been a part of who He is within the fellowship of the triune God. And then you ask yourself, but it's, didn't it come up at some point? If it did, then it meant some point prior to that, He was not omniscient. And that undermines the truth of Scripture. So, I thought, I even said to Hope this morning, I said, this is what God means when, I, when Moses says, who shall I tell them sent me? And God says, tell them I am sent you. That's a has to do with a verb of being. I exist. I, I can't say the one who has always existed. I, I just simply exist. Always have, always will. But if I say that, I'm putting him in time. He exists outside of time. 
Then he chose you. That's amazing. That's amazing. Because the implication is that before the foundation of the world, Larry, as a believer, was chosen in Christ before time itself existed. And this is, by the way, this is why songs like Let All Mortal Flesh Keep Silence are so relevant to me to the nativity. Because what has been in the mind of God as, in, as he exists was my redemption. And he set in motion in creation and brought into the understanding of time and the universe and he created and then he brought man and then everything unfolded until finally what had been in the mind of God, period, manifest itself in time on the earth in human flesh. Let all mortal flesh be silenced. Because there's nothing you can say. It is just simply, overwhelmingly incomprehensible that the God in whose mind this always existed brought it to pass in time and called into existence a world in which to unfold it. And the little specks of clay endued with his spirit in his image to receive the fullness of it. Hallelujah. That's what, that's what Christmas joy is rooted in. And Paul says that spiritual blessing is in Christ. In union with him, you become aware of that great spiritual blessing. Let me say this. If your redemption was in the mind of God always, then, then the Christ through whom you are brought to God himself is the central figure of your salvation. And we see him come to earth in such humble state as in a manger and in the child flesh of a child. Another blessing here is that we are blessed in him in that same passage to be holy and blameless before him. He predestined us Excuse me, verse 4, just as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world. Why did he choose us? That he might bring us to himself or present us to himself holy and blameless. That's a blessing. But notice he says, in him. So you're not going to stand before God, you or I, in and of ourselves, dependent upon our own flesh and our own good works and our own righteousness, holy, utterly set apart unto God and without blame. The only way you can appear before God is to be united to Christ and be robed in the righteousness of Christ, who is holy and who is blameless. And in union with him, he has predestined us to this adoption of sons. He has predestined us to this so that he might present us to himself in that very way. I don't know about you, but I was, again, me and Hope were talking this morning, but I relate, there's one text of scripture that I relate to more than any other text of scripture. And you know what that is? When Paul says, oh, wretched man that I am, who shall deliver me from the body of this death? And I feel that I relate to that for the same reasons Paul does. In here, there's this 
person who wants to do good, but I can't seem to do the good I want and the very thing I don't want to do, that's what I wind up doing. Who is going to deliver me from the body of this death? Well, I got news for you this morning. The baby in the manger gone to the cross and risen from the dead is going to deliver you from that. Paul goes right into that, right after saying that, exalting that very reality. But it is a blessing that in Christ, someday you and I will appear before the Father and we will appear there and be received of the Father because of the righteousness of Christ, which has utterly set us apart unto God forever and utterly without blame because he has received the just due of all of our sins, past, present, and even future. That's a blessing. That's a blessing and a reason to rejoice this morning, on this Christmas morning especially. In verse 4, I love verse 4 as well. He chose us in him that we'd be holy and blameless before him. But then he says, in love, he predestined us to adoption as sons. I wanted to pause there and just say that it's a blessing to be loved by God, especially when you were enemies with God. Uh, I love the scriptures when they say that while we were yet enemies, Christ died for us. That was a demonstration of the love of God. It'd be easy, he even says in that passage, perhaps for some people, a good man would actually die. Perhaps there's somebody out there that, that, that would be good enough that you would say, I think I ought to die for them. But he says, what sets God's love apart is that while we were completely undeserving and avowed, openly defiant enemies of God, that's when Christ died for us. The blessing of the incarnation is it is the manifestation or the inauguration of the love of God in action. And it was culminated upon the cross. So it's blessed this morning to be loved by God. I was thinking to myself uh, last night about a certain issue, but I, I thought no one, this is just a statement that came to my mind, no one should be alone at Christmas. If we can, as a brother or sister in Christ, come alongside someone that you know might be alone physically, but the incarnation is the assurance that no one need be alone. If all else fails in your life, if all other relationships go away, if all other things fall away and there's not another human being with flesh on nearby you, the incarnation assures me that I will never be alone. Never. And there are some people who have died without human companionship, with only that reality to hold fast to, and they were not alone. In fact, many of those died in a most glorious way because they were convinced that they were not alone. The martyrs had no one to help, but they were not alone. They were not alone. We're blessed this morning to be loved by God. Another one in that verse as well, or in verse 5, he says, In love, he predestined us to adoption as sons. We are blessed this morning because in his love, we have been predestined to adoption. Destined beforehand to this adoption as sons. That's why, I think that's why when I get into conversations with someone who is taking much to themselves in regards to their salvation, I, I feel this frustration and somewhat a little bit of resentment in my heart because 
You are robbing in my presence the glory of God that I feel in regards to my salvation. That bothers me. I know you might not understand, but when you take to yourself some responsibility for your salvation, you, you take away from the glory that I ascribe to God because He predestined that I be adopted as a son. He didn't negotiate with me. He didn't have some tentative plan that he might bring me to himself someday. And, and when I was born and grown to some age of accountability, have a conversation with me and convince me of becoming his son. He predestined me before I entered into this world that he would adopt me as his son. What's the instrument of my adoption? The baby in the manger. They went to the cross that rose from the dead. That's the, that's the instrument of my becoming a son or a child of God. That's a blessing today. That's a blessing today. I know in the broad sense as God creating all humanity and we are image bearers in the broadest sense, we are all God's children. But in this narrow sense, we are not all the children of God. Only those who have been adopted into the family of God and who have come through the instrument of Christ Jesus and Christ alone. These are the children of God. These are the children of God. That's a blessing today. If you're here and you are one of those children, you are so because the God of the, of the universe predestined that you should be that. And he, not only that you would be that, but that the instrument through which you would become that is his son. That's, that's worth rejoicing over. That's the Christmas joy. We have been adopted, predestined to this adoption. Verse 5 as well. Uh, this phrase caught my attention. But he said, he's predestined us to adoption as sons through Jesus Christ to himself. And this phrase, according to the kind intention of his will. The kind intention of his will. And I just wrote this. You're blessed today because you are a recipient of the kind intentions. That's grace of his will. He wills it so out of his kindness out of His grace, out of His favor expressed towards you, which you and I did not merit whatsoever. It's demonstrative of the grace of God extending it to you in Christ Jesus. That is His will. And you are a, you are a recipient of the fulfilled will of God in your life if you have come to know Christ and you have been adopted into the family of God. There is no more extraordinary blessing than that. I've got to run... I'll never get through this, and I have to. In verse 6, you are blessed by his grace, which he writes in that passage, is freely bestowed on us. How? In him. In him. See that? According to the kind intention of his will, to the praise of the glory of his grace, which he freely bestows on us. I love the freely it kind of complements the grace. Grace withheld is, is something short of grace. He almost does a double take on this. Free grace. Freely flowing grace. That's, that's what grace is. It's the free flowing of the kind intentions of the will of God. In this case, released or released to us in Christ Jesus. In fact, the scriptures say all the promises of God are yes in Him. Yes in Him. 
So Christ is the, is the conduit from which the free grace of God flows without limitations into our lives, resulting ultimately in salvation in its fullest form. If you're here today and you're a believer, that's a reason to rejoice. That's a reason to rejoice. And to me, by the way, it's a counter for when this world sends hard times our way. It's a balancing, it's ballast in my, in my hole to keep me stable when the seas are rocking and rolling. Because in that midst, I can say, in Christ, the conduit for grace in this circumstance flows without inhibition or without hindrance whatsoever. I am being sustained now by that same free-flowing grace in the beloved, in Christ. I think our error sometimes is we assume that the grace is coming to us accrued somehow by our own merit. And in that very moment, we extinguish it as grace and we label it as works. The moment you do that, you cut off the stream of the free-flowing grace of God because there's only one conduit and it ain't your good works. It is His good works, the works of Christ. So we are blessed by this grace freely bestowed on us in the beloved. In verse 7, very plainly put, we are blessed by redemption. In him, he says again, in this Christ, in union with him, we have redemption. We have been bought back, as it were, from the slave market of sin and from bondage to our sin. We have been bought back from those things and brought back into the fellowship of God. That's a blessing today. I am redeemed. I love the, I can't remember the artist that sings it, uh, but he sings that song, I am redeemed. And every time I play that song, I, I, I'll put it back in my little YouTube account. And every now and then when I, when I just feel overwhelmingly discouraged, I, I just click that thing, put my little earbuds in, crank up the volume, and I sing along with him. I am redeemed. I am redeemed. Literally, to hell with my discouragement. I am redeemed. I am redeemed. There's no greater blessing than having been brought back into the presence of our God. With, without whom we will never know what it is to be fully human as God created us and designed us. To be recipients and lovers of His glory and, and givers of glorious praise back to Him. We'll never know what it is to be fully human as we were designed apart from that. And through that redemption, we have definitely been blessed. In verse 7 as well, a part of that redemption as well is we've been blessed with forgiveness. Now, maybe you didn't sin like I did. But I, I feel extraordinarily blessed that the most heinous sins and defiance and rebellion against God himself by this individual have been set aside and and the penalty for them has been laid upon Christ who loved me and in whom I have redemption and the forgiveness of sin through his blood, through his sacrifice, forgiveness. Think about your own sins this morning. When you think about the baby in the manger, you ought to be reminded that the cost for your reconciliation with God took place in time. It was in the eternal counsel of the Godhead, but it came to pass in time. As I said earlier, he created a universe for which to unfold it. 
And in that sacrifice, those sins have been forgiven. Forgiven. I've heard people say before, I just leave it with the Lord. But our problem is we go back and pick it up the next day. We go back and pick it up the next day. We are redeemed. And it is a tremendous blessing, more than you and I can probably fathom even at this moment, to know that my sins in Christ have been forgiven. That's the only place they can be forgiven because he's the only one that could pay the price and fulfill the righteous demand of your sins, the penalties, Christ. So we are blessed with this forgiveness. A couple more really quickly. Uh, this was interesting as well, but in verse 10, he made known to us the mystery of his will according to the kind intention uh, which he purposed in him. So I wrote this. We're blessed today because of the wisdom and insight into the mystery uh, of his will. Uh, I thought most of us, if I, if I said to you, uh, do you understand the will of God? And you would say to me that, well, there's a mystery to that. And he's saying here that part of the blessing of being united to Christ is you've been given wisdom and made partaker or been given the knowledge of the mystery of God. Of the will of God, which he purposed in him. In verse 10, I think in this context, you know what the mystery is? It is the summing up of all things in Christ. He says it very clearly. He says, he made known to us the mystery of his will. And then he parenthetically says, according to the kind intention which he purposed in him. Then he goes back to his subject kind of in verse 10 with a view to an administration suitable to the fullness of time. In other words, it's a mystery. It's hidden away, but it's purposed by God. And he's, he's going to administrate this in the fullness of time. And then he says, that is, in other words, what I'm just talking about, that is the summing up of all things in Christ, things in the heavens and things on the earth. And so in that reality, you and I have the blessing, be, namely that we, we have been living in the fullness of the times when Christ has come. We're not looking forward to the sacrificial death of Christ. We are looking back upon it. The fullness of time has arrived and he has come and he has gone to the cross and risen from the dead. And so in him, we have been given this wisdom and this revelation into the mysteries of God, which are, he's going to sum up everything in this Christ. Everything. That's the mystery. Granted, it is in broad terms, but that is the mystery. All the smaller mysteries involved in that amount to that. That's what I think Paul is getting to here. We are blessed in that we have been made knowledgeable or knowing of those mysteries or that mystery. Interestingly enough, the word sum is defined as the produce or the product of addition of the addition of any number of digits or elements or things. And I, I thought about that in the fact of summing up all things in Christ. Everything considered will add up to Christ. To the exaltation of Jesus Christ. The summing up all the additions of negatives and positives and all the things in the universe that have unfolded since the creation began will find themselves, will find that the product of all of that is Christ. I think that's what Paul means when he says, speaks of Christ. 
I came to you determined to know nothing but Christ and him crucified. And Paul understood the mystery, as it were, that all things were going to be summed up in this Christ. Add it all together. And when you finish your math, Christ will be exalted. Philippians 5 or 2, 5 through 8 says the same thing, essentially. Verse 11 and 12, I'm closing quickly here. There is the blessing of an inheritance. We also have obtained in him, obviously, verse 11, end of verse 10, verse 11. Also, we have obtained an inheritance, having been predestined according to his purpose, who works all things after the counsel of his will. And I love verse 12, to the end. And this is why he did this, that we who were the first to believe or hope in Christ would be to the praise of the glory of his grace. So we have this blessing of the inheritance in Christ Jesus. That's a blessing today. And that inheritance is rooted in the promise, uh, in the promise of God, in the will of God to the end. The reason for my inheritance is to the end that we would be, you and I, to the praise of his glory. And that's why you're adopted. That's why you have this inheritance. And if you're a believer today, it's yours. It's yours. And then the final one I want to share with you this morning is the blessing of having been sealed. Uh, in my notes, I put in parentheses, secured in him with the Holy Spirit. Amazing text. In him you also, after listening to the message of the truth, the gospel of your salvation, having also believed, we already know how that came about, you were sealed in him with the Holy Spirit of promise who is given as a pledge to that inheritance with a view to the redemption of God's own possession. And notice he says something again, to the praise of his glory. Uh, three times in this passage, twice he says it that way, the other time he says, to the praise of the glory is great, of his grace. And Paul or disperses those among his, his exposition, as it were, here, and the emphasis that I'm gleaning from that is that Paul is saying all that he has done in the eternal counsels of the Godhead all up until this time, every blessing that you are enjoy is to the end that you would be, not only that you would praise, but you, you yourselves would be to the praise of his glory. You exist for the glory of God, believer. And that baby lying in a manger came into this world for the same purpose, for the glory of God. And he went to the cross for the same glory of God. John 17, Father, glorify your son as your son glorifies you. He asked again in the prayer, now let me come back to the glory I enjoyed with you before the world was. In fact, at the end of that, he prays, Lord, I want them, these Pauls described to be with me. Why? So they can see my glory. That's, to me, that's the joy of Christmas. When I see the baby lying in a manger and back up to 50,000 feet and see the life and work and ministry of Jesus Christ upon the earth and the, and the unfolding purposes and plan of the Godhead, there is nothing left to, to glorify Him. And my soul longs for the day when all obstructions will be moved away and there will be eternal praise for this God. 
And I'm going to say this morning that you're not going to get a million years into it and run out of reasons to be glorifying and moved by the glory that you're beholding because His glory is infinite. And we're getting just a glimpse of it in human flesh when Christ came to dwell among us. And you hear me quote it all the time in John chapter 1 verse, or 1 John 3, 1 and 2. Behold what manner of love God has bestowed upon us that we should be called the children of God. And then my favorite part. We don't know yet what we will be, but we know this. When we see Him, we will be like Him. And I've always said, so, so overwhelming will be the glory of Christ, unobscured by human flesh as it were, and, and our weaknesses that so powerful will be that glory that in a moment it'll do the transition that had been taking all of our lifetimes in the flesh. It will be completed at that point. And what will we be at that moment? Clear reflections of the glory that we're seeing reflected back to the one whose glory it is. And so it shall be for all eternity. I don't know about you, but I'm quite content and quite satisfied to be a mirror for the glory of God for eternity, aren't you? That's what Christmas is. It is, it is God's inauguration in time and history of what was in the counsel of the Godhead all along. And you and I are, can you, do you realize how blessed we are to live within the increment of 2,000 years since it took place right here on this earth? 2,000 years ago it happened. And the, and the effects of that and the realities of it are at work in me right now and you as a believer. The Holy Spirit is dwelling within, magnifying and opening our eyes and our hearts to the glory of the one who walked this earth 2,000 years ago and went to the cross on our behalf. So when I say Merry Christmas this morning, that's what I mean. I want you to know Christmas like that. I don't mean just a general feeling of good cheer. I mean a deep-rooted foundation in the certainties that the Holy Spirit dwells in us, is pledging to us. I read one translation that said, it is the earnest of God. It is the down payment, as it were, of God toward our inheritance. That's why I wrote in my notes, it is secured by the Holy Spirit. That's my blessing. That's your blessing as a believer today. And I'll close by saying this. All of those blessings are communicated to us intellectually and experientially through our union with Christ and not apart from that. Not apart from that. You can, you can believe it as a concept, but for that to be a reality in your life and in your thinking and to be shaping the way you live your life and the honor that you give to God is a work of God. And it's ministered only through Christ. And if you're here this morning and you know that, you are blessed. You are blessed. I asked Brian and Greg if they would come back. And I want to close with prayer. But I want to end with a song this morning and sing it with joy. Uh, sing it with joy. If you don't sing good, sing loud. That's uh, what I say. So stand with me and let's pray. And I'll have Brian and Greg to make their way. In fact, Shane, I guess you, could, you can come back too if you'd like. So. But let's... Uh, let's pray. Father, thank you for this Christmas morning. Lord, I even thank you for the difficulties last night. For I have no doubt that they shaped my heart for this morning.
And so, Father, we just acknowledge you as the giver of all good things. And the greatest thing ever given was Christ our Lord and Savior. Lord, I pray specifically at this moment for anyone in this sanctuary who has not come to know Jesus. I'm not pleading with them. Father, I am asking you if you might, in your providence and in your wisdom, stir that heart and open those eyes and understanding to the glories of Jesus. And if they see that, they'll desire him. They'll come to him. And Lord, for we who have come by your grace, Lord, I pray that our hearts have been stirred today by the contemplation of how we came. And Lord, I pray we'll especially go away affected by the reality that we exist for your glory. The very best that human existence can achieve is to be an unobscured reflection of the glory of our God. Lord, we thank you that it will be so as we have been secured and sealed by the Spirit in Christ. And because of that, we can never be separated from him ever. Thank you for these great blessings we ask in Jesus' name.